Hi, my name's Josh, and I'm so glad that you're joining us on our Grace Church podcast. At Grace Church, we are all about knowing God and reflecting His way. I hope this sermon will do just that, by feeding your mind with the knowledge of God and engaging your heart to live a life reflecting His grace and truth. In the first Sunday in our series on gospel, we talked about freedom from status, that there are no statuses of privilege, there are no hierarchies of value in the kingdom of God. Last week, we talked about freedom from self, the freedom from preoccupation with ourselves that lets us live in self-forgetful service to others. These two freedoms builds naturally into a third and final freedom in our series. Freedom to be humble. Fully relied on God. Let me start us off with a story. Seven years ago, the church I was attending at the time had a couple that came as guest teachers. If I remember correctly, the husband led worship in the main service, and the wife led the adult Bible study. Confession moment here. I didn't usually attend the Sunday morning Bible study, but for some reason that day, I decided to attend. I guess maybe the pastor or the priest had talked about how great this couple was, and I wanted to hear what they had to say. Something like that. I don't know. At any rate, I do remember part of what they had to say, but not the part where they talked about God. The best I could do about that part would be maybe some vague guesses about what they said about faith in the Christian life. What I remember quite distinctly, though, was the wife talking at length about the accomplishments of their children and how one of them was a backup dancer for famous singers. And not only was she a dancer, she was a friend to some of these singers and was witnessing to them about Jesus. I love this young lady was witnessing the people God brought into her life, but I left that whole Bible study with a bad taste in my mouth. I came away feeling like the wife was more proud of her children than she was of her Savior, that she was more interested in talking about her reasons for pride than in talking about the gospel. Even now, looking back on it, it's shocking to me how much she seemed to buy into the world's way of valuing things. Her children were a source of pride because they accomplished things and associated with prestigious people. That is not a gospel perspective. To give this poor woman the benefit of the doubt, perhaps she was trying to make a point and stuck her foot in her mouth. Goodness knows I've done that. Or perhaps she's tired. Or perhaps she had found that to be an effective way of getting people's attention so that she could share about Jesus once she had their attention. I don't know. But even if that is the case, then she was relying on points of pride instead of relying on God. At any rate, as I reflect on that incident, I'm struck by how easy it is for us to get caught up in worldly pride and thinking about our successes as our own accomplishments, the results of our strength and skill, instead of relying on God and seeing that all of it 
even our natural abilities are gifts from God to begin with. It is natural for a mother to be proud of her children. But it's talking about that really ministry. It is natural for us to be excited by having worked hard and achieved something. But does that mean that our hard work is what makes the work of God happen? It is natural to look for the most skilled person for a job. But our skills are the most important thing when it comes to God's call for us. If the most important thing in life is our relationship with God, if our value is derived from being made in God's image and being saved by Jesus' blood, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, why do we take pride in other things? Why do we find our value in how we perform and consequently rely on those things instead of on God? I suspect a good part of it is cultural, and the rest is just simple human nature. It is deeply, deeply ingrained in us that our accomplishments give us value, and that we have a responsibility to achieve in our own strength. How many times have you heard someone say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps? And so when we achieve, we think we have reason to be proud. And those who achieve enough to be in positions of power are to be On the other hand, incapacity to achieve seems to be an incurable source of shame, whether physical, emotional, mental, or circumstantial. The inability to get things done, to achieve, to accomplish, is all too often seen as a sign of being less, less valuable, less important, less worthwhile, less interesting. We are so inculcated with the belief that we have to do it all ourselves, all in our own strength. The ancient world operated even more like this. In the pagan world, if an infant wasn't deemed to be valuable because of disabilities or circumstances of their birth or because they were a girl, they would be abandoned outside the city or village to die. Even within Judaism, Disabilities were assumed to be punishment for sin, either that person's or their parents. In many ancient cultures, people's social status, their social achievement, or that of their ancestors, if you will, granted them special privileges under the law. A rich man who harmed a poor man would face very different consequences than a poor man who harmed a rich man. To be honest, now that I say these things, these standards are not that society. It's still the facto world we live in, even if it isn't written into our law codes anymore. But that kind of thinking is completely out of place in the kingdom of God. Jesus and his followers, the early church, stood in firm and determined contrast to this way of valuing people based on achievement or the ability to achieve. Over and over, Jesus overturned the prevailing assumptions on this point. For example, when he encountered a blind man and his disciples asked whose sin was the cause of the disability, Jesus responded, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened 
so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Not only a reputation, but a reversal. Instead of a source of shame, this man's blindness was an opportunity to glorify God. When Jesus caught his disciples playing power games and striving for positions of honor, he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles and glory over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. In today's reading, he acts in a similar vein. He overturns their ability to feel pride in their accomplishment, too. But this isn't malicious or vindictive or destructive. It is to teach them who really does the work God's calling them to do. It is to increase their faith. Here's what he does. He chooses 70 disciples, pairs them up, and sends them out without any supplies. He says, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals. And he instructs them not to plan, but to stay with whoever offers to host them. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide. It's like some sort of missionary Boy Scout challenge. But instead of sending them out into the woods to test their own abilities, these disciples are discovering the power of God and how he can build, how he can and will work through them. Instead of building their self-confidence, God is building their faith. Instead of making a name for themselves, they are discovering the power of the name of Jesus. In essence, they are being free to be to fully rely on God. You see, as long as they were proud in their abilities to do this or that, they would rely on those abilities, and not on God. And their ministry would be severely handicapped at best. As long as they looked at their ministry and said, well, good thing I have good people skills so I can connect with those people. Or, that was a debate. Nakedness of my extensive theological knowledge. Or, my public speaking clinched the deal. That was a moving sermon. They would never recognize the work of the Spirit, or even perhaps be willing to it. Now, they needed to be humble so that they would rely on God. And every time God demonstrated his power, they would be awed overjoyed because they would know it was nothing to do with their strength. It was all from God. And they could witness to that. Instead of witnessing themselves, they could witness to God. As the Apostle Paul later wrote, may I never witness to anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not all that boasting in the Lord is exactly what happened. When the disciples got back, they exclaimed, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. Jesus responded, 
Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He is reminding them what is ultimate. He is reminding them what really has value. He is reminding them that all the glory and power and praise of the world is meaningless compared to the all-surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. Have you ever thought that God might be calling you to do something? To reach out to someone you know, to volunteer with the ministry, to get more involved in the church, and whatever. Have you ever thought that God might be calling you to do something, but been afraid to step out? Maybe you thought you weren't wise enough, or strong enough, or equipped, or maybe you thought you're just one person. What can one person do? Well, I have good news for you today. God has freed you to be humble. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know all the things. You don't have to have done all the things or be able to do all the things. He never called you to do things your own strength anyway. He calls you to do things in his strength. And those whom God calls, he is. He won't leave you stranded. He never expected you to be able to do it on your own. And he never wanted you to. Because even if you could do the best job humanly possible at whatever he's called you to do, you can do even more if you rely on him and not on I want to invite you today to ask God what he's calling you to do. This doesn't have to be some grand, life-changing thing. Just whatever he's placing on your heart to do. Reach out to that friend. Reconcile with that person you walk with. Invite someone to church. Whatever it may be. Ask God what he's calling you to do. And then ask him to give you the strength, the power, wisdom, the words, whatever it is you need, and step out in faith. See what God does. And then, tell me about it, because I want to hear the stories. I want to hear you witness the power of God at work in your life. You know, I'll tell you, I've known people who thought that the Holy Spirit only worked like that in the days of the early church. They're typically called cessationists. Because they think the Spirit ceased to act like he used to. Today I'm going to tell you that's nonsense. Let me tell you why. You know the group of disciples in the Gospel reading Jesus sent out without supplies or plan? There are still people who do that today. Have you ever heard of youth with a mission? Or YWAM? As part of some of their mission trips, YWAM has the young people who participate do exactly that for one week. All they are allowed to take with them is their ID. And they have to rely on God to provide for all their needs for that week. And he does. Sometimes they have oddly boring stories of being taken in by farmers and working fields for a week. Other times they have wild stories of unexpected, inexplicable provision. But either way, God always provides. He brings them to people who house them, people who feed them. He provides for their needs. And 
and he provides opportunities for them to minister to people, to share the gospel, and to pray for The Holy Spirit never stopped acting, and his strength is more than enough for whatever God is calling you to do. Step out of faith today. Step out of freedom to be humble Thanks again for listening. To find out more about what's going on here at Grace Church, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on our website, graceocala.org, or, of course, on our campus here in sunny Ocala, Florida. Go in peace.